The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. Well, my name is Stephen Sexton. I'm the lead pastor here at The House. And uh, it's awesome that we can have a relationship with God. I mean, I don't know if you've thought about that much, how awesome our God is that He would desire a relationship with us. And for the next five weeks, it's my hope to answer some questions that the body of Christ needs to know why. Why why do we do this? Understanding the why. Because when we understand the why, there is a connection to the practice. You know, we have four kids and um, our, our season is changing a little bit. We hear why a lot in the Sexton house, okay, in the his, we say we hear a lot of, well, why, well, why, and, and I, I got to tell you, maybe it's curious minds, uh, maybe it's a hint of resistance, but um, resistance is futile, <laughs> uh, but, but the reality is this, they, they want to know, dad, why do we have to go to bed, dad, why can't we watch that movie? Dad, why are we at the church all the time? <laughs> and your family may ask whatever your whys are too, but, but we have some whys that are on point. And, and they want to know why everything is connected. Uh, they want to do, at this age, they want to do what's right, and they want it to make sense. And I think for us in our Christian faith, we want to do the same. We want to know why we do what we do, and we want it to make sense. Like, okay, I'll do it because someone says, but I would really like the connection and the heart behind why we do what we do. And at the house, that is what we want to make sure that every believer knows why we're doing what we're doing. And we're in this series called Understanding the Why. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you're going to do here. Well, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move and, and bring apart, bring to life the truth that you want to share with us as we unsco- uh, uncover the why and discover what you have for us in our life. Lord, we thank you for the service and all that are here. And we pray that we are shaped by the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalms 100, verse uh, 2 through 5. Psalms 100, 2 through 5. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Come on. Know that the Lord is God, and He who made us, and we are His, and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good. Come on, somebody. He's good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. As the the pastor, it is my heart to see people give God their best and experience supernatural breakthrough in their life. That, that at the core of being a Christian, we realize that we wrestle against flesh and, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and darkness. And there are times when there is real struggle. And I, I guess what I want us to know is our choice to worship unlocks moments of breakthrough in our lives. Now, I understand that there are tough days. There are tough days for everyone. 
Many times those days hit us out of the blue and, and whack. I mean, we just, everything was fine until it isn't. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? It's just life was rolling, we were doing good, and then wham, we're thrust into making a huge decision, handling a major conflict, doing a serious course correction, inspecting our life and going, okay, what's going on? And as a believer, it's hard for us sometimes to process painful moments. Like, like why does that happen? The loss of a loved one, hardships in life major setbacks, things that, that you had thought and planned that it would turn out one way, come to find out it ha it's, uh, it's a whole nother way. Still, as a believer, we are taught to praise through our pain. You see, oftentimes in the Bible that talks about a sacrifice of praise. In other words, I, we have to be very careful that our praise is not determined on how we feel. However, you know what, here's the thing, way too many uh, consider their feelings before honoring the Lord. It's amazing how quick it is today that, that if we're not careful, we won't respond in faith. We'll respond by how our week has gone. If my week is good, come on, I can praise, I can sing, I can greet some people. If my week was bad, y'all need to leave me alone. Y'all lucky I came. For real, y'all need to back off. Don't ask me to volunteer. Don't ask me to do, don't ask me to show up. Don't talk about, don't, don't leave me alone, okay? There is a parameter around, what you can tell, if I smile, talk. If I don't, walk away. You know I mean? The, the, the reality, that's how we feel sometimes. And, and, and for us as believers, the reason that the world should look at us differently is because not because we are void of hardship or trial or struggle. The reality is we all go through tough times. But how we interpret and deal with those tough times is what makes us different. And so the world should look at us and go, wow, I knew your adversity and you've handled it so how? How, how have you gone through this? And today my assignment is I want to talk about the power of true worship. I want to talk about worship. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 through 20. And uh, I know we're going to read a lot of verses today. But, and I'm going to work my hardest to work through some of these names. But I'm going to tell you that if you have uh, your uh, doctorate in English, uh, don't judge me. Um, <laughs> you know... It says, now there was a certain man, Ramoth Zippor, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was El Elkanah, and the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, uh, Tohu, the son of Zophim, of Ephraim. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the other one was Paniah. But I had children, but Hannah had no children. And the man went up from his city nearly to, yearly to worship and sacrifice the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Elia, Hophi uh, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when it came time for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Paniah, his wife, and to her sons and daughters. But Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. 
and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable. Because the Lord had closed her womb, so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, therefore she did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to Hannah, Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And Eli, the priest, was sitting at the seat by the doorstep of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was bitter of soul and prayed to the Lord in deep anguish. And then she made a vow, said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon my affliction of your maidservant, remember me and not forget your maidservant. But will you, will you give your maidservant a male child? And then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Now look at this. This is funny. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke from her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long have you been drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah said, no, my Lord, I'm not a woman of sorrow. I'm a woman of sorrow in spirit. I haven't drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint, my grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli said, go in peace. God of Israel granted your petition, which you have asked him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and returned and came to the house of Ramah. And Elkanah and Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And so it came to pass in the process of time, in the process of time, that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, because, saying, because, have asked, because I have asked for him from the Lord. I know that was a lot of verses, and, and maybe probably you, you know, went in and out about 15 times during me reading that. But I think sometimes we paraphrase the text too much. And in our, a biblical illiterate culture that we are growing up, many people don't know Scripture. And so we've got to do a really good job at making sure that people know in context what God is trying to say because it will help us connect, not just from a pastor's perspective, but it will help us connect to truth because truth will set you free. And so that's why I wanted to read this whole thing. The reality is this. Here is the story of Hannah. She has a problem. There's something missing in her life. She has a desire but no progress. And to make matters worse, she is favored and loved by her husband but doesn't feel like she's providing anything of value. I don't know, but it's very hard for someone to say, I don't know if you've ever had any cheap compliments in your life. You are so great. Okay, what am I great at? (laughs) You are just wonderful. You're so wonderful. Okay, great. What am I wonderful in? Well, you just are. Okay, I feel really good now. Yeah, you know, I don't know about you, but if someone's going to praise and, and give you, an, a, you know, an accolade, you, you want it to be intentional, like, thank you so much, you're awesome because of X, Y, Z. Not, you're awesome. <laughs> I mean, 
It's like there, there, there needs to be a little bit of why am I awesome? And this man has two wives, and that is a topic for another day. Thank you, God. Uh, I, I take care of one, and uh, barely. Um, but this man has two wives. And one is producing, one is a baby factory, come on. One is just baby making, and the other one, nothing. Zilch, nada, nothing. And so here's the story. This woman yearly goes up to worship, and one woman is, has the abundance of children, and, and the other woman has none. A void, a dream. I don't know if you, I'm talking to anybody that has something they feel like God wants them to do, but it is not seemingly in progress. It feels like, God, I don't know why you bless me with this burden with no outlet to produce it. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like well, I, I, there are countless people that don't have the desire, but since I have the desire, why are you not giving me the desires of our... The tension between a good God and bad days is hard for most people. Many people want to walk away from God because they think if God is all good and God is all just and all God is all knowing, then why would bad things happen to good people? But the reality is this. You need to understand there is free will. And I am so glad that in my younger years when I was more of an idiot, come on, and I was trying to rebel, and I was trying to do things my own way, I'm so glad that God did not send a lightning bolt from heaven every time I made a bad choice. But there was grace on my life so that I could turn, and I could repent, and I could do it of my own free will. A lot of times we want God to just zap people. God, fix them. You know what I'm saying? Don't hurt them too bad, just slightly bad enough. Just, just, just get them. But we want, and we, we look through eyes that the justice is not complete. So we want everyone to be right when it concerns us, but it's very hard for us to look, look circumspectly and go, how have I wronged everybody else? Okay? Lightning bolts for everyone but me. <laughs> that, that's how we feel a lot of times. But the reality is this. Here is Hannah... And on the way to go and worship. So she's already dealing with this void, this emptiness, this issue. And on the way to go and worship, the other wife, come on women, I, I, I don't, I, I'm sure we don't have any of those women here, okay? But we, I've known some women that can be very... Now, I know that we don't have any of those women here. No women gossip here. No women, I mean, I, I just know that. And, and if you do, I have great churches that you can go to. But, but the reality is that, that this woman on the way to the temple is talking smack to Hannah. Criticizing her, hurting her feeling. The Bible tells us, in other words, it's it's as they're packing up. Okay, one the woman, uh, Penny, 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 whatever, whatever. She's like, okay, kids, let's all pack up. Oh, somebody help get Hannah stuff. <laughs> How, oh, Hannah, we're, we're we're leaving at six. Make sure you have all your. Oh, make sure you're together. 
you know, just kind of like just digging in there a little bit. Uh, Hannah, oh, we're, we're, everybody, now when we go to see the priest, Eli, now you guys, y'all don't talk. Hannah, make sure to tell your family. Oh, never mind, I'll tell them. Um, the Bible is very clear that yearly this woman would make fun of Hannah and, and, and talk smack, talk about her game, talk about her baby-making skill, talk about the fact that God obviously, you know. And the reality is, is it is a little funny, but I don't know if you've ever felt marginalized because you couldn't produce what someone else produced. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever felt like there was this grand scale of importance and you weren't on the top. This is where Hannah feels. This is where she's at. And yearly she's dealing with someone running their mouth, talking about what she doesn't have, talking about her brokenness, talking about her issue. I don't know. Do you ever know anybody that every time you're around them they want to bring up the one thing you're bad at? Don't say the name. You know what I'm saying? They want to bring up the one thing that I've been doing all of this right, but you want to talk about this one thing that happened five years ago? I'm not even thinking about that. But here's the situation. See, the reality is I like Hannah. I like Hannah because her circumstances does not change her worship. Her circumstances don't change her worship. In other words, she doesn't say, God, if you'll give me what I'm asking for, then I will worship you. She is worshiping regardless in her void, in the vacuum. She's still worshiping. She's still going to meet with God. She's still going to commit to God her best, her first. Listen, I came to encourage someone today that no matter how you feel, there is some praise in you that can get the attention of heaven. Family, there is a time when worship is a sacrifice, and I know that it's not easy. I know if we look around the room, it's very easy to be critical and judgmental. It's very easy to look at someone else's life and look, watch somebody else with their family and their kids and their worship and think, well, they've got it all together. And then, you know, it's very easy to stalk them on the, the Facebook timeline and try to act like their life is so much better than yours. But the reality is everyone in this room has burdens. They have burdens that they bear, things that are unanswered, requests that they're bringing to God, desires and open doors that we need to happen. There are people in this room that need financial miracles. There are people in this room that need a miracle in their, finance, their, their marriage. There are people in this room that are praying for their lost kids. There are people in this room and everyone has burdens. The difference is some people know where to put their burdens and some people don't. Some people want to put their burdens on people. And that's why in relationship, everyone eventually leaves. Because no one can carry all the junk. Sometimes we want to put our burdens on our church or our pastors or our, or our life group leaders or whatever. But the reality is no man, while we can help walk through difficult times, no one has the power to keep a burden. But God, God is the one that we give our burdens to. And the Bible says that he takes our yoke and he gives us his. And the reality is we have to learn that going to God is the only and best first response. 
Listen, everyone has burdens that they're bearing, but some people just have learned where to put them. My prayer is that we're building a culture of people who are meeting with God and can worship in spite of how they feel. I want to give you a definition real quick of worship. A definition of worship. Worship is a relentless pursuit of, a relentless pursuit of magnifying the goodness of God, responding to His leading, and removing anything that would place God second in our lives. That is worship. I'm going to walk it through again. Worship is a relentless pursuit of magnifying the goodness of God. Look, too many times we magnify the problem. We magnify the issue. We magnify the lack. We magnify the offense. We magnify the people who hurt us. And, and, and I am not delegitimizing any of those moments. They were painful. But the reality is when we maximize an issue, we bring God down in our life. And either He is supernatural and a bondage breaker or He's average. The reality is this, we've got to magnify the goodness. Even though I don't feel good, you're good. Even though this is not my best day, God, you are still holy. Even though I've been hurt, offended, wronged, God, you are still good. We've got to respond to His leading. Listen, worship isn't just singing songs. The reality is there's a, there's a text in the Bible that says, listen, I'm done with your worship. In fact, there was even times in the Old Testament that God said, don't worship me anymore because it's all lips and no heart. You have to respond to my leading. Like you, it's very hard for me to say, I love you to my wife, but I don't want to change. It's very hard when my kids, I have a couple kids, and they, Dad, I love you. And I'm like, I love you. Now, here's some things I need you to do. <laughs> Dad, I love you. Okay, I love you. Here's some things I need you to do. Dad, I love you. Okay, that's cool. But here's the things I need you to do. But Dad, I love you. And a lot of times, that's what we do with God. We, we like, God, I love you. But loving means that you respond to His leading and you allow Him to do the things in you, come on somebody, that He wants to do, not necessarily that you want to do. Removing anything that would place God second. It's amazing how quickly God can come. And, and we had him first. I mean, we were hungry. We were reading, going to Bible study, wanting to go to life group, praying, reading. We, the first six months, oh, this church. Oh, we've been to every church. I, I've heard it already. Oh, and we've only been a year and like a month. But I remember people coming in. Oh, man, this church. We've been to 17 churches in this area. Wow. We love it. Huh? It's all right. It's okay. I mean, as far as churches go, it, it's, it's okay. It's good. I mean, it's all right. The reality is this. All of us have a tendency, no matter who it is and in what relationship, to, lead, to bring down what we thought was great, and slowly it becomes further and further on our list. Remember in Revelations, when, 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 when John had the revelation, and Jesus began to speak to him, and he said, I, I have this one thing against your, this church. I have one thing against the church. 
that you, I see your works, I see what you're doing, but you have lost your first love. In other words, could we be in danger of meeting regularly, but God never capturing our heart? Come on, come on. Four results of the power of worship. I want to walk through this. Four results of the power of worship. The first is this. It always reveals the condition of our heart. Worship always reveals the condition of our heart. Come on, I know there are times when it feels like our heart is so far from our worship. Come on, I don't know if you've ever been in that where your hands feel heavy, the words are going, but it's like, it's like Charlie Brown. You know what I'm saying? It's like a lot of stuff is happening from the stage, but I just really am not connected to it. My mind's not engaged. My hands, I got distracted. Things are going in my mind. It's very hard to to. To, to lock in. But can I tell you that when you enter into worship and your time to intentionally connect with God and, and you're in a time when you feel like, I don't want to do that, that's when alarms need to go off in your life and you need to know your gas tank is low. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I never ran out of gas. As a, as a high school student, I never ran out of gas as a college student. But since I've been married, <laughs> there have been times. Because I don't know what's in me, but I think I can make it just a little bit further than I can. You know what I'm saying? I know where the gas stations are, and I know my tank. And I know that when it says, you know, the idiot light is going off, you know what I'm saying, the E-light, and, and it's blaring and it's blinking, I know that there's still like 20, 30 miles left in there. And so I, I can feel it. Until there was this time. And, and I remember we were traveling and my wife was like, we were driving and it was the e-light kind of came on and she's like, oh, man, do we need some gas? And I was like, oh, no, 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 we're fine. <laughs> and so I went, I went, I was driving a new way. Okay, and I was using my GPS because it said it would cut off like 30 minutes. So it was very windy back roads. And I thought, okay, I'm going to cut through. This is like, you know, 25 minutes. I probably got about 35 miles in my tank. So I'm like, oh, it's going to be close, but I'm going to slide right in, fill it up, superhero stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so um, <laughs> we get out there and we start driving in these back roads. And all of a sudden the GPS goes off. And I have no idea where I'm at. And my wife, ever so lovely, is like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you men have ever gotten one of those looks like, like, you know. <laughs> I don't have to tell you what you already know, but just to make sure we're both looking at the elephant in the room. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, we both, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I'm so close but yet I'm so far, you know? And, and, and so the car begins to die. You know, and in that moment, like I'm getting saved. I'm like, God, please, 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 please. We're praying. All the kids, I'm like, don't talk, pray. Everybody pray. And, you know, and, and my wife's like, we wouldn't really need to. And filled up, you know? <laughs> and my point is there's so many times that 
Spiritually, we got to connect with God, but because of issues and circumstances and setbacks, we don't want to engage in God because we don't feel it. We don't feel it. And listen, in our churches, there is a huge pendulum that swings because on one end is experience and the other end is form. And some people want experience. Man, they want to touch heaven, change earth. They want to feel the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. And the other people want form where it's like it doesn't matter how you feel. You just do what you need to do. And we connect with God. And and, and the reality is it's both. It's not either or. Because there are days that, you know what? I see my wife and the experience, and I'm like, hey. And then there are days when I have to change the oil. There's no experience. There's none of it. It's like, oh, I have to go change the oil. Like nothing comes over me. There's no passion. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, you know Lionel Richie or Barry Manilow's not playing in the background <laughs> of my head. There's none of that. It's just I have a duty to go do this. And as I do this, it communicates something. Does that make sense? As we're looking, you need to know if you're in danger. Does your heart, is it connecting with the Lord? The goal for Worship is this. It's to be a lifestyle. True worship starts in the heart, and then out of our heart comes obedience, faith, gratefulness, honor. Worship isn't just music-related. Worship is more than that. It's an active prayer life. Think about all the things that buy for our attention. Conversations, chirps and beeps and phones and Facebook and medias. And God, every time we put something down to pursue Him, God is like, yeah. I see it. I feel it. You put me first. You're worshiping. You're loving me. Reading our Bible. Come on. Who wants to read a Bible when you have Netflix? Somebody's going to make every portion of the Bible a Netflix movie, and then we're going to have a revival. But who, I mean, seriously, let's just be honest. In our culture of entertainment, and we have, we have this, 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 these weird feelings because it's like we have at our command and control everything. I text what I want to text. I say what I want to say. When people don't respond to you on your text, come on, how many of y'all have like issues? <laughs> and especially at the bottom if it says red. <laughs> It's like, I'm going to delete you from my life. <laughs> oh, so I now, now I really know what you feel. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the reality is this. Every time we pick up the Bible and read and say, God, I want to know more of you and less of this world, you're worshiping. Tithe is a form of worship. Being thankful. Come on, having your lips. Anybody can be critical, but, but being thankful. Living an obedient life. Come on, it's worship. Worship is not something we do, but it's more of who we are. Everything we do either brings God glory or disgrace. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness, come on somebody, into a wonderful light. This is saying that we are all priests. 
Now we are all priests. In the Old Testament, there were only priests that could take us in and, 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 and help us with our sin. But now we are priests. Every Christian, no matter where you work, your home, your office, your job, full-time, part-time, factory worker, hairstylist, everything that you do can be worship because there is a sense of dignity in your work for it is holy and we make this worship. We make this worship. Christians should be the best workers. That's the reality. We need to turn on some air, y'all hot? Maybe it's just me. I'm getting, I'm getting hot. I don't know. Take this off. <laughs> the reality is I have a problem. And you know what? The reality is Christians should, employers should want to hire Christians. Right. Not be scared of them. Well, if I hire a Christian, they're going to bring them a track and they're going to try to get everybody saved during office hours. No, if you hire a Christian, we work unto the Lord. We're not working for the man. We're working for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And everything we do, we do with excellence. And so while you are the facilitator of my assignment, you are not who I work for. Because I ain't trying to please you. I'm trying to please him. And if I give him my best, you will be more than happy. You will be more than happy. Everything that we do, we do as a full-time Christian. There are no part-time believers. True worship comes from our heart and it affects every part of who we are. Can I ask you, is your lifestyle worship to God? Because God is not a lip service. Come on, we're not having a sing-along here. We're not just trying to just have some sort of lip sing or sing-off. Our conduct, our responses, our actions, our character, all of that makes a point and it always reveals, come on, the condition of our heart. The second thing is this, it focuses our attention on the Father. We seek a king, not a thing. Come on, somebody. We seek a king and not a thing. We're, we're not hoping for the, the, the house that is 3,500 square feet, four bedrooms and three baths. We're not hoping just for a higher paycheck. Although none of those are bad or wrong, we don't seek a thing. We seek the king. We build the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is what we seek. And so it focuses us on the Father. Listen, in the moment when I raise my hands, I am telling my mind and my heart, I am sending a message to my flesh, to my spirit, to the enemy, and to the Father, I am focused on you. It's a real issue when our kids are hurting and money isn't there and your plan that you, you worked on for so long crumbles. But can we respond like Hannah? Will worship arise or will we be offended and mad? The devil loves to isolate us. But Hannah went and worshiped and prayed, and her issue brought her to the Lord, not away from Him. I cannot promise you that there will not be days where you will not cry, you will not mourn, and you will not be broken. But I can promise you those days can either take you into the presence of God or they can leave you alone. That's the truth. 
That's the truth. When we focus on God, we release the hold of circumstances on our life. When we worship, we make a conscious act of our will to release the circumstances that are heavy unto His care. He is the one who has the provision. He is the one that opens the door. While Hannah's circumstances did not immediately change, the Bible says in the process of time, in the process of time, I know some of you have been praying for something for five years, 10 years, 20 years, but in the process of time, my encouragement to you is do not give up. Do not faint in spirit. Stay strong. Stay committed. God, I will continue to praise you. I will continue to lean in regardless of if I see it or if I feel ultimately what I want. Listen, negativity, complaining, we want to focus on God. We want to focus on God. He is a lion. He's a judge. He fights for us. He vindicates us. He is for us. He's a healer. He's a restorer. He's a redeemer. Come on, we got to take our attention off of all this temporary stuff and put it on an internal, come on, king, because we seek a king, not a thing. Yes. Number three, it invites the presence of God into our lives. We cannot do it. We were made to, to, to have relationship with God, to be spiritually connected to Him. When we connect to the Father, it renews our strength. There is nothing like connecting to the Lord. Let me ask you, are you empty? Because when you connect to the presence of God, it empowers you. It revives you. Listen. We've got to make room. What's awesome is this, is here is Anna, Hannah. Now, I, I don't know about you, but what, what's amazing to me is this. She has made yearly attempts to go worship. And in the middle of getting her, in the middle of just dumping out all of her inner thoughts, she is lamenting, she is going to God, she is crying. In that moment, the man of God comes and judges her wrongly. Isn't it amazing that you're so close to a breakthrough and then an attack comes? You're so close. You're so close to breakthrough. You're so close. And then all of a sudden, someone misinterprets what you're trying to do. Or someone says something. Come on, somebody. Or something happens where the man of God, who is still a man of God, he, he is a great man. He is a good man. And yet he is an anointed man. But he just got it wrong. Can I tell you that there's got to be room in your life. This is just a caveat. But there's got to be room in your life for men of God who miss it. There is a difference between a sin issue and just a wrong call. And I'm telling you that as we grow as a church, there's got to be opportunities for people to get it wrong. Eli got it wrong. Here this woman has been made fun of. There's no way to understand the hardship that she's been going through. And now... She is so close to, to detoxing every emotion in her heart. And the prophet, the man of God, who is responsible for the spiritual development of that area, comes up and calls her a drunk. Hey, put down that drink. What's wrong with you? Hey, man, don't you, don't you have any self-respect? What's wrong? Get off the bottle. 
<laughs> I mean, many of us would be like, let me tell you something. <laughs> I got a suggestion for, I got to come back. It may not be Bible. <laughs> I got something I want to tell you. She didn't get mad. She didn't get offended. She didn't give him the bird. She didn't walk away. What she said was, no, no, no. Listen, that's not what's going on in my life. Sometimes we need the clarity. Sometimes we need perspective. And, and because of her right response, what, ended, what started out to be a curse ended in a blessing. Come on, somebody. Is our responses that important that they can change a bad moment to a good moment? Can, can exile to favor? from not having to having in just that scene? Come on. Maybe if we didn't say everything that we felt, we'd have more life-giving relationships. See, the reality is this. When we praise, we invite the presence of God into our life. And I am convinced that because of Hannah's pursuit, and her prayer and her worship, that is why breakthrough happened in her life. Can I show you one more thing? Hannah's husband couldn't make her happy. The double portion couldn't make her happy. Husbands, your wives can't make you happy. Come on. Wives, your husbands cannot make you happy. And I know we get really frustrated when they don't, but they cannot. And Hannah was living proof that there is nothing that can fill that void other than the presence of God. Amen. And here's the deal. Everybody in the house will feel a whole lot more lighter when you realize that not everybody can give you. Your kids cannot love you enough. Your parents cannot love you enough. Finances are not going to help you enough because here's the deal. There are some things at the end of the day that only the presence of God can handle. Amen. Come on, is this right? Yes. The fourth thing and we're going to be done. Is the enemy. When you worship, it makes the enemy flee from you. When you worship, it makes the enemy flee. And I know we, we are in a society where everyone's a winner. And everybody's great. And we don't want to talk about an enemy or anything bad or anything toxic. But the reality is there is an unseen force. There is an enemy. There is Satan who comes and wants to steal, kill, and destroy yes. our life. And it doesn't really matter if you believe it. It doesn't matter if you believe it because the reality is that the enemy is trying to steal from you, kill you. He's trying to destroy your life and where God wants to move you and what freedom he wants to take you in. And what I'm telling you is there are some times when you get into the presence of God that it's not just a song. We talked about it being a lifestyle, but I am telling you where light and darkness cannot coexist in the same place. And when you invite God into your presence, the enemy must flee he must flee the reality is very simple we make it complicated but it's not complicated the enemy is trying to destroy our relationships 
leave us in bondage with past, past choices, past mistakes, how we feel about ourselves, insecurity, fear, depression. The enemy's trying to do that. God is trying to give you everything life and life more abundantly. And I am telling you that there is no way you can make it in this world long term and be free if the enemy is in your ear. Because you can't worry and have worship in the same place. Worry and worship don't work together. Either you're full of worry or you're full of worship. But worship is bigger than mental. It goes deeper. It connects with your soul. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so worry and worship don't coexist. If there's a lot of worry, then you can know you're not having any worship. But if you can say, I am going to choose higher and I'm not going to go by how I feel and I'm going to lean on something that is higher than I, then guess what? You'll experience some breakthrough in your life and you won't be the same person you were last year. Come on, is that good? Yes. And ultimately this, I can't promise you you're going to break every chain now, but I can promise you that if you connect and live a lifestyle of worship, there will be no chain that can hold you. You hear what I'm saying? There will be no chain that can hold you. And here's the deal. It's time for us to stop acting like we have everything together when we don't. There are some marriages in here that are going through it. There's some singles that you're, you're confused about where you're at and what you're going and you feel like nothing's happening fast enough. You know what I'm saying? The reality is God has a plan for your life, but you're only going to find it in Him and you're not going to find it in anything else. You hear what I'm saying? If we could be authentic and real, I got two things that I want to do as I end. First is this. I want to open up and have a time of worship. And here's what I'm going to do. Now again, I want to let you know, I am okay with experience. I am not okay with distraction. And experience is where we connect with the Lord and we are doing business with Him. We're not going to be a church that everyone's distracting. That's not what we want. But, but, but I am telling you, there are countless verses. And I was going to go through those, but I just got long-winded. But, <laughs> but the reality is, I want to give you just a few expressions of worship. Quiet, reflective, tender, psalms. 104, joyful, exuberant, loud music. We got that on point. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Psalms, 100, two through, four, 2 through 5. Clapping hands. Why do we clap? We're clapping because the hogs may win today. No, we're not. We're clapping. Why do we clap for our children? Good job, Johnny. We clap. Because we're trying to let them know that, you know what? You have our approval. We clap because, God, you have our approval. You have our attention. Why do we lift our hands and raise them up? Why do we lift our heavy hands? Because it's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Therefore, I want every man in the place to pray, lift up holy hands without wrath and without dissension. 
Well, that's weird. Why do y'all lift your hands? We lift our hands because we're in total surrender. And really, the only way humility comes is if I don't do what I want to do. Kneeling. We have times when we kneel here at the altar. Philippians 2.10 And at the name of Jesus, every kneel, come on, shall bow. Individually we worship. Corporately, as a congregation, we worship. Psalms 22. I will declare your name to my brothers and in the congregation, celebration and praise. That's what we're doing. Everything that we do here is some... Is it comes from a biblical frame of reference. Now here's the deal. Now comes the point of comfortability. And that, that honestly, is Christianity in a nutshell. Because people will only go as far as they're comfortable. Now here's the question. Is it God's fault that we don't get some of our breakthrough or is it on us that we only stay where we're comfortable? That, that's a thought for the day. Because the reality is I can look everything in the natural proceeds to the spiritual and I can tell you every time I'm comfortable I'm about to enter a season of laziness. But every time I'm intentional and I'm pushing and I'm moving, I'm, I'm moving my capacity for growth and I'm taking more territory. I realize this is an individual mandate, but I am telling you that God wants you free, God wants you forgiven, and God wants you focused on building the kingdom of God. And you have a choice. Do or don't do respond or don't but I'm telling you that your answer is not found in self-help books your answer is found in the presence of Jesus thanks for listening to see what's happening at the house follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA